Shuka will be the target. Free hit. Nil-nil after 90 minutes. It comes down to penalties, and it's a great start for Galatasaray. Ergun beats David Seaman. This to win it for Pescu. It's all over. Arsenal have been beaten in Denmark, and Galatasaray win 4-1 in the shootout. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the team's of our lives. It's my pleasure to say I'm joined by Andy Brassel. Andy? It's my pleasure to join you. <laughs> well, you delightful sod. Um, good to have you with us, ladies and gentlemen. My name is, is, of course, Marcus C. Speller. Andy, today, today, Andy Brassel, we are going to be looking at Fatty Tarim's Galatasaray, the 1999-2000 edition of Fatty Tarim's yes. Galatasaray. One needs to specify because he's currently in his fourth spell there as a manager. <laughs> <laughs> he spent a few years ping-ponging in between Galatasaray and the Turkish national team. Yes. Which was quite enjoyable. And uh, just to clarify, Marcus, when he says he's currently in his fourth spell mm. with uh, Galatasaray, I feel quite strongly there will be a fifth and a sixth. <laughs> Yeah, even though he's he's mid to late 60s now, old fatty. Uh, But yeah, what a man, um, what a legend uh, at that club. And this, I'm guessing, Andy, is considered his best, if not one of his best seasons there. Yeah, it is. And um, this was, as as you say, his first spell at Galatasaray. And um, this was something he built really painstakingly um, to get to this point, uh, to, to get to 99-2000 and um, the fourth successive league and and then winning the UEFA Cup. And of course, they were the first Turkish club and, and still the only Turkish club, in fact, to win a European trophy. I mean, we'll come to that final and um, to the, the, the season as a whole in a bit. But I, th- I think we've got to work out why Tarim is this iconic and how they ended up at this point because um, I've, I've interviewed him at, at length a couple of times mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've been lucky and um, his whole philosophy on football is front foot front foot front foot all the way and is it quite um, a direct style? Um, no not really um, it, it's, it's, it's about um, playing the game in the opponent's half um, which is a thing I think it's a it's a big thing for a team from not one of the top leagues um, in the 90s and it's a big big thing for Turkey I mean it's it's a, a turning point in Turkish football um, he becomes involved in the Turkish national team set up in 91 when um, he became Turkish under-21 coach, he was, he was appointed by um, uh, Sepp Piontek. And um, he ends up getting the full job and taking Turkey to their, their, their first major championship, Euros in in 96. Uh, it was a, a, a great qualifying campaign. And when he became Turkish national coach, he said... Uh, Famously, in the press conference, he said, there's one word that I'm never going to use with you. He said to the press, and that's, that's patience. Mm. 
because we've already waited too long. And what we're going to do is we're going to go out there and attack teams because he said, when I was a player for Turkey, we used to play a kind of 9-1 formation <laughs> with like nine defenders and one striker. Mm-hmm. We get beaten all the time. They so, used to get hammered, ooh. Turkey. England would beat them yeah. 6-0 in the qualifying. They beat them 8-0 at Wembley, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, they, in 88. they were nowhere. And it wasn't that long before Tyrion was saying all this. I think that's the incredible thing. You, you look at like the difference, that 14-year gap. Well, 14, or was it even 14 years? Probably um, 13 years. Between that thrashing of Turkey at Wembley mm-hmm. and the bit where Turkey come and play England at the Stadium of Light yeah. at Sunderland. In the first half of that, I mean, England won in the end. And it, I, I, you, you might remember, it felt a really satisfying win at the end of it. It felt yeah. like England had built, beaten a really good team because Turkey sort of pulled around by Yildare Bashtuk, pl- passed England off the park in the first pitch, uh, first half of that. Yeah. Like, like, you are going to mention Darius Vassell, aren't you? Uh, Darius Vassell has already been mentioned really when the, the moment we said Turkey because right. I know every time I say Turkey all ramble listeners minds switch automatically mm-hmm. to Darius Vassell as they certainly should um, and, and you, you think what has changed so much in, in, in that time between those two England-Turkey games and it's Tarim Tarim is, is, is what has changed and um, really he was heavily influenced actually as it happens by by English coaches um, quite openly he says um, um, Malcolm Allison oh, yeah. um, Arthur Cox had um, a, a big influence on him and the really big one actually was Jupp Derval uh, the German coach uh, who won um, Euro 1980 with uh, West Germany um, because Derval when um, Tirim retired said I, I I want you to I want you to come back to football. I want you to be part of my coaching team. And he said, "Look, I'm out. I I just want to spend time with 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 my family, and I'm I'm not into the idea. Sorry." Even though he enormously respected him, and Derval, when he'd gone to Galatasaray, I mean Turkish football was really nowhere in international terms. Um, facilities were poor. It was all quite backwards, and he brought in. Western European training methods. Mm-hmm. He made sure the training facilities were up to standards. In fact, eventually after his death, the, the, the training ground was um, christened after him at Galatasaray. But um, Terry told me he went to the 86 World Cup and he started to think, maybe I, I can't leave football behind actually. And he, he, he certainly thought he wasn't cut out to be a journalist. So eventually Derval got, got him into coaching he took some other jobs, and then there was this success with Turkey, and this success playing this quite aggressive football. So off the back of Euro 96, he gets the the Galatasaray job. And at this point, um, you can't do what you can do in Turkish football now, which is go and buy expensive eye-catching, mm-hmm. possibly not suitable overseas players, because there's a limit of three in a team. So it's got to be guys from um, Turkey, uh, by and large. And so um, he went and got players. He he, he plucked them out of uh, reserve teams, out of the second tier. A bit like Mourinho built his first Porto side, really. You know, you look at guys like Manish and Dekel, who were um, rejects elsewhere. And he built this incredible team with a couple of choice signings because you can't get away from the fact by the time you've got to... 99 2000 
some of those key players in the um, in the Galatasaray side are overseas players, but they're choice overseas players. So they've got uh, Georgi Popescu, yep. um, who ends up scoring the winning penalty in um, the final against Arsenal. Um, Georgi Popescu, I, I often think he's such an underrated player in the grand scheme of things. Agreed, agreed. He's a phenomenal player, very intelligent as well, played mm. for Barcelona. But uh, just that sort of sweeper, defender, can step up into midfield. He just had it all. Yeah. Yeah, and um, I think it's interesting that you pointed out that the, the Barcelona connection, because of course the the same was for George Haji, who was phenomenal for Galatasaray. I mean, recently um, when I, I think it was I was, I was talking on my talk sports show, we were talking about Mesut um, Özil going to Fenerbahce, and um, it was being discussed whether you know he's probably the biggest star in his prime mm-hmm. to, to to go to turkey and actually one of one of our listeners um chipped in on twitter i'm sorry i can't remember who it was off the top of my head and said what about what about haji going to galatasaray because mm-hmm. that that was huge and he was absolutely phenomenal he ended up having a huge part in that um uefa cup final which i'll, I'll get to in a in, in a bit but if you look at the three main foreigners being Popescu, Haji, and of course Tafarel yeah, in goal. Big Tafarel. Ta- Tafarel's still got this relationship with Galatasaray. Mm-hmm. He's, he's he's been the goalkeeping coach there for for ten years mm-hmm. after after Terim brought him back. So I think that sort of stability mm-hmm. definitely helped. But the, like by the time they've got to ninety nine two thousand, Terim's built his team. They're not really going out and signing a load of players before the start of that season mm. because it's just a few little micro adjustments because they're happy with what they've got. They know each other so well. And whereas in Turkey, it's traditional to have a training camp before the game. And it's a big public deal if you didn't have a training camp before the game. So, you know, the players come to the training ground or a hotel, they stay away from home, even for a home game, and then go to the game the, the, the next day. Mm-hmm. But Terim said to me that in that 99-2000 season, he trusted them so much and they all knew their jobs so well. He said they'd just meet at the Ali Samiyen like an hour and a half before kickoff. Mm-hmm. So they'd just spend their time with their families. They'd turn up. They'd arrive like 90 minutes before kickoff. He'd write the team on the whiteboard in the dressing room and he'd go, right, let's get it. And, and, and that was it. <laughs> that must be a lovely place for a coach to be though when they can... Trust yeah. the players that much. But also, though, it does take a certain type of coach to instill that sort of confidence in the players and trust. Because some some coaches might mismanage that and sort of meddle where not necessarily uh, where, where, it, where it's necess- not necessarily wanted. Um, also, up front, Andy, big Hakan Suka, the man who now lives mm. in exile, of course, in the United States due to yeah. political uh, uh, business. Um, and, of course, that's... Well, I'd do your own research on that because we just don't have time. Um, and it's perhaps not relevant uh, to this particular um, part of, of his story and, 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 and Terim's Galatasaray then. But Hakan Suka was, he was, for my money, one of the big stars from Turkey uh, at the time. They didn't have many players back mm. then. I mean, you could say they maybe don't ha- haven't had that many over the years, but they've had a few and, 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 and certainly in this country. But Hakan Suka was one of the big ones. Of course, he went to play abroad in, in Serie A and other places as well. 
yeah, Hakan Shakur was in- incredible in that season. Um, so strong, difficult to get the ball off, just came alive in the in, in the penalty box. I mean, I, I'm glad you steered me in that direction, really, because I think it would be quite easy for this <laughs> to turn into a sort of yeah. love letter to, to Haji because Haji was so incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- this was a team with a lot of characters in it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you look at um, Hassan Shash, you look at Umit Davala. And I what, think a young Emery, mo- Emery, the former Newcastle United yeah. man, he was there. And I think what's what's most noticeable is um, th- this, this, this team, um, he, he believed so much in them and their leadership qualities to him, is when he came back for, I guess it would have been his, third spell at Galatasaray so in 2011 um, Tafferol becomes the goalkeeping coach as, as well of course mm-hmm. but um, Hassan Sash and uh, Umit Davila are on, on the staff as well because he's quite consciously surrounding himself with the people from this golden team and you know they're, they're, they're people who he trusts and what he did is when he got appointed he invited everyone from the, everyone from the team that was 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 in in Turkey to his house, and he said, "Right, I'm going back to Galatasaray. It's on. Who wants to be involved? Who wants to be on my coaching staff?" And uh, Hakan Shukur, for example, said, "Well, I'm I'm going into politics, so I'm out." And he said, "Okay, fair enough." But a couple of the others put their hands up, and I think even ten years on from that to think that these are guys I trust with my life yeah. and I'm going to take them into this situation yeah. to surround me, to create this new winning culture, this culture that already existed, was something really special. And with old, uh, with old Fassi, I get the impression that when you talk about him and some of the things he said, <laughs> there's a bit of the army general about him that he's kind of... <laughs> I can just see him when he's trying to pick his coaching staff or his players, you know, does the old... Was it Davy Crockett draws the line in the sand, or draw? You know, the thing. <laughs> right, come on, who's who's with me? Is is he that type of man to kind of really uh, rally the troops in that kind of sense? Oh yeah, he's he's a total leader, and um, I think he's he's talked quite extensively about you know um, blood guts and it's, thunder. It's about is, is terrible. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's not just it's not just about tactics and how he made Turkish people think differently about football. It's it's the fact that. He believes in you know a call to arms and mobilising, mm. and that's, that's something that worked very well for him um, in the national team. You know where he sat in um, at the press conference in the on before one of the Euro qualification games for Euro '96 and said, "Look, if we make it, we're, we're not just it's not just a team going to England. We're all going to England." <laughs> yes, and uh, you know, that, that that was that was. You know that's Tarim all over. He leads the charge, uh, Andy. It's part of it's part of him. I remember the first match I ever went to see in Turkey was um, a derby between Fenerbahce and Galatasaray, and it was at Fenerbahce. Galatasaray were two 0 down and came back to two two, and an annoyed Fenerbahce fan threw a lighter from the crowd and it, it hit him just above the eye, yeah. sort of in the eyebrow. And he's bleeding out of it yeah. profusely. And the, the doctor's trying to patch him up. And he, Tarim's, get off me! I'm fine! <laughs> I thought you were going to say he turned around and like tried to head it back into the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was, you know, he's, he's very mm-hmm. keen on, on, on being that leader. And of course, the thing is, when you talk about this run towards the UEFA Cup final... Well, it started off of in course, the Champions League. 
Yeah, they they, they did, and um, they're in that group with uh, Chelsea and Hertha, who originally qualified. And Milan. They went and won, yeah, and they went and won four one in in Berlin mm-hmm. actually. And they beat AC um, Milan at home as well, but they just missed out by a point getting through. Yeah, they gave, they gave Chelsea a, a a decent game, particularly at Stamford Bridge, and um, yeah, the the, the five nil in Istanbul was a little bit flattering. I to do Chelsea, remember that. But, though, yeah. But but yeah, um, they um, they go on. They, they they beat Dortmund on the way to the final. I mean, we we, course, we are going to have to mention the semi final, of course. Yeah, you know where, that's it. Yeah. Like so much, so much of of, of this run is is, is, is like coloured by the the tragic events before the first leg of the semi final in Istanbul against Leeds. And um, I remember, like, I spoke to Terry about that in the the first time I interviewed him, and he said, "Look, it's it's, it's still with me now, and mm. if I could." Give back the trophy, and it, it, it meant those 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 guys were safe and well. Then I, I would do it. Yeah. Um, but you know, it was it was it, was, it, it did cast a huge shadow over it. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah. there's, there's, there's no doubt about that. Um, but I think it, it was quite interesting the way that they handled it going forward because um, they made so much effort to sort of um, commemorate the occasion when they went to the second leg against these. They won the first leg because the game did go ahead, of mm-hmm. course. They, they, they won the first leg 2-0. And um, the, the, the second leg at Leeds, they <clears throat> made an effort to show their respect, um, to show that they hadn't forgotten about it. Uh, they designed this all-black kit mm-hmm. and um, UEFA wouldn't let them wear it. They, they, oh, they, they said it was... Um, they said it was it was too late to change, so that they they wore it for the warm up. Um, they they mm-hmm. uh, presented flowers um, in memoriam before, but Terim was thinking about the game as well. well good, but and, you do want to sound sort of callous because mm. obviously the two Leeds fans who were, were, were tragically killed. But again, without sounding, you know, you've got a game of football to play. You've got to do your jobs, kind of thing as well. Yeah, and. I mean, Tarim, as I said, was a huge fan of English football and um, he knew what it meant. And um, he, he said, like, you know, just because we had a 2-0 lead, that can easily dwindle to nothing mm-hmm. in the atmosphere of an English ground. And so he went to see Leeds, I think, play Arsenal just before the the, the, the second leg to, to get some of the atmosphere. And... Um, he did that and then at Floria the training ground like a few days before they went um, that there was a video room for the academy and he uh, he booked it out and what he did is he got a recording of the Leeds game it's all a bit apocalypse now he like uh, put the first team squad in there <laughs> he, he put the, the Leeds game uh, Leeds home game at Elland Road in the video recorder shut all the blinds and turned the sound up to 11 and uh, he's like, yeah, this is what you're gonna have to. Mm. This is what you're gonna have to deal with, and um, <laughs> yeah, that, that that prepared them for it. Yeah, well, they of course played Arsenal in the final in Copenhagen, if my memory serves me correctly. Yeah, it's it's one of those UEFA Cup finals where you think two enormous clubs have got to it, and you probably could have sold out the stadium like five times. Yeah. Yeah, it seemed a bit of a funny one, but anyway, Arsenal uh, in another European final. We'd seen them in a couple before in the Cup Winners' Cup, you know, a few years earlier. And I remember thinking to myself, well, Arsenal, you know, look at the side they've got, you know, likes a Burkamp in there, and 
Yeah. Henri. Henri, Patrick Vieira, Manuel Petit and so on. Mm. Uh, but of course, I had no idea about Galatasaray. I didn't know anything about them at the time. I'm sure very few people outside of Turkey, certainly in England, did as well. Mm. And the game would finish nil-nil and Galatasaray won it fairly comfortably on penalties, 4-1, which is a bit of a do. And Davos Schuke for Arsenal, he missed his penalty. Patrick Vieira also missed. Ray Parler was yeah, the only one. He off the bar, didn't he? Yeah, yeah Ray Parler yeah, was yeah. the only one to, to score. Uh, and I think the interesting thing about that game is it was pretty intense for a, a nil-nil. Mm-hmm. I mean, Galatasaray, as you would expect from Terim's team, he agonised over whether to play 4-4-2 or 4-3-3 before the game. And in the end, he decided to go 4-3-3, just like went with his instincts and, and put Arif in. And Arif missed a really good chance, like probably about 20 minutes in. If that goes in, the the, the game's totally mm. different. It's really open. And maybe Arsenal go on and win it, actually, well, because yeah. maybe Arsenal feel they have to they have to react. But it, it gets more tense as it goes on. Tafferell made some good saves during it. And Tafferell, for me, is an extraordinary goalkeeper anyway, because he's built for the big moments, mm. really. And what sort of partly informed that is the fact that when he worked ever, ever since he was a kid like he, he's made some pretty massive errors in pretty big matches but his ability to get over them mm-hmm. is his ability to put it to one side and and, and not dwell on yeah. it is is something that that made him such an important goalkeeper you look at him you look at his stature i mean he's only six foot but he's just got an incredible spring on him as well and that was something that really worked for him. I, I think his, his his quads were really strong because he played a lot of beach volleyball when he was a kid. It's the ultimate Brazilian yeah, cliche, but it, but it but it's something that worked really well for, <laughs> for 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 him. But the bit in extra time where Haji gets sent off, quite unfairly because Tony Adams swung an elbow at him. He took offence to that. Give it, give him a, a shove, flailed him, and armoured him. And Haji got sent off and. Adams only got booked. And at that point, you think, well, if there's one player who could pull them through it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Haji's not only one of the most gifted players I've ever seen with the football anyway. And, you know, they, they, they sort of, he was, he was like Romania's Maradona, really. Mm-hmm. You know, in, incredible on the ball, unbelievable left foot, can score, create, et cetera, et cetera, take set pieces. Um, if nothing's happening, even in a, a game against a big team, Haji would kind of drop to left back and go to, to Tafferell, like, throw me the ball. Mm. I'm going to make it happen here. <laughs> Be- because he's got the short-range passing game and he's got the long-range passing game. And for that to be cut out at that point, even with it being in extra time, I, I thought Galatasaray are, are, are done at this moment. But, you know, they had, a, they had a lot of guts in that team. And, you know, they have a, a, a meeting, a, a sort of team dinner in Istanbul every year, like, pandemic notwithstanding um at the moment and um a, a one of them a few years back Popescu went up to Terim and said you know what in 2000s if you hadn't boss if you hadn't gone to Fiorentina we could have gone on and won, won the Champions League yeah. it's a bit like when we were talking about Andre Villas-Boas and, uh, and Porto in in our previous episodes Th- that that mm. sense of you know maybe that, they couldn't have won the Champions League maybe that feels like a bit of a stretch but they could have gone deep yeah, into it. You do you wonder. Had, you had the feeling of a team that could have gone a, a, a bit further. Well, back in those days, even back in those days, it, it, it would have. It, you had a chance. I think people think nowadays. Oh well, if Galatasaray, even if they won the Europa League, even if they did all that nowadays, would mm. that translate to the Champions League nowadays? 
Probably not that well. It, 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 somewhat, but not really. But back in those days, that, that is different footballing landscape. Yeah, totally. And I, I think as as, as well, um, if you look at what happened in the even with Tirim leaving and leaving and Mateo Luchescu taking over, they went and um, they won they won the Super Cup in Monaco against Real Madrid mm. in 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 two thousand. Yeah, there you go. And you know that they. They had some titanic battles with Real Madrid in the Champions League. Mario Jardel was a, a huge oh, part of that, of, of, of course. Um, so it was it was a team with some talent and, and some mentality, which their coach gave to them. Absolutely. Andy, pleasure as always talking to you uh, about these teams, but in particular, lovely to hear about old Fatty. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, <laughs> never a chore. There we are, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you've enjoyed the teams of our lives. We'll be back next week. Have a lovely time. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.